It's Film Festival Radio, the show where superstars and future stars happily coexist together. And now, here's your host, Janice Malone. everybody welcome to film festival radio show thank you for tuning in as always this is what we do this time each saturday we, we meet up we hang out we talk to famous people get all into their business and we hope that you enjoy listening to it because we definitely enjoy bringing the show to you and i just love running my mouth and being nosy as we can kind of tell so uh you guys having a good week you good weekend so far Mine could be better, but no, really, I had a good week. I really did. I really did. So uh, let's get the show going here because we have a lot of show to get to you. We have a best-selling author who has a brand new uh adult, young adult, I should say, young adult romance novel that will be joining us. She'll tell us more about it. We have two of the celebrity couples from VH1's new show that's called Celebrity Retreat. It premiered this past uh, Monday night. A lot of you probably saw it. So we have two of the couples, uh, two of, no, the couple, one of the couples, I should say, from uh, the cast of the show. And our featured guest is the one and only Dr. Ben Carson. Yes, top-selling author, the former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under President Trump, and also a world-renowned pediatric neurosurgeon. Dr. Ben Carson will be joining us to talk about his latest book. So sit back, go get some popcorn, go get a martini, go get a soda, whatever you need to do. And let's get on with today's edition, this week's edition of Film Festival Radio Show. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our first guest. first guest is uh, a best-selling author, very talented young lady. She has a brand new book out. Her name is Tashi Bulan. And her, her book, well, I'll tell you the, the origin of her new book. It's a cute story and it's a real story. The title of the book is A Show for Two. Well, let me give you the backstory. So once upon a time in 2016, Tashi uh, was a senior in high school, like most seniors. And so something really special happened at her high school. She was a student at Bronx High School of Science. In 2016, actor Tom Holland, yes, that Tom Holland, he secretly, secretly, quietly, shh, don't tell nobody. He secretly enrolled at the same high school, Bronx High School of Science. And he did that to conduct research for his upcoming role as Peter Parker in the blockbuster movie, Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, you know, that's Spider-Man. Well, Tashi, as I said, she was a senior in high school at the time. And the whole experience really served as an inspiration for her new romance, which is for as a romance novel for young adults. And again, it's called A Show for Two. And it just really inspired her to write this young adult genre novel. And the, the premise of it is about an aspiring writer who falls and gets a crush on a film star who goes undercover at her high school. Well, guess what? That story really did happen. And I think it's such a cool uh, true life story to inspire a young adult new novel that's out, a show for two. So um, in addition to being a writer, uh, she has also, she's also a graduate of, uh, in public relations from John's, uh, St. John's University. And so according to Tashi, she hopes to change the world one book at a time. 
That's how you do it, Tashi. That's exactly how you do it. And her first book, I think it was her first book, is called Counting Down With You. And she's a New Yorker. She's a dyed-in-the-wool, can't-get-away-from-it, proud New Yorker. So let's welcome author and a fan of Chipotle as well, Tashi Bulian. Let me pronounce her name, or spell her name. is B-H-U-I. Y-A-N, Tashi Bouillon. I don't know if that's French or what, but it's a very pretty name. So let's welcome her right now so we can hear more about her new book, A Show for Two. Well, good morning, Tashi. Good morning. Well, it is such a pleasure to chat with you about your new romance novel, A Show for Two. And so oh it's, God. yeah, it, it's, it's fun. And it's, you know, especially if we're in that age group and I never got out of that age group as far as I'm concerned. Me God, I'm still 16 in my heart. Exactly. Well, you write so well. Of course, you've had so much success as a novelist. So give us the, the skinny about, and your own words, tell us your storyline for A Show for Two. Yeah, so A Show for Two follows aspiring screenwriter Lena Rahman, who is a senior in high school. And she's, you know, she's going through the motions. And then somehow she runs into celebrity who was undercover as a student at her school. And this is inspired by during my senior year of high school when I found out that Tom Holland was undercover as a student in my high school. So obviously I was like, this would be an incredible book idea and now we're here. Wow, what a, I mean, that says a lot about your high school. What a cool school you had. Is that high school still that cool or what? Honestly, a little bit. Like, it's pretty cool. Although I will say, well, I I know everybody wants to know. Does did you ever tell, or does Tom Holland know before? Of course, your book is released. Did Tom ever know how much that whole research inspired you to become this successful writer? I don't know, but I hope he finds out. I think that'd be really cool because I do think like the level of interest in the book. And you know who's inspired by this situation is not actually that similar to Tom Holland himself. So I think she would actually have a pretty fun time if he picked up the book and tried to read it. Like I think he'd be like, "Wow, like someone was that inspired that they wrote a whole book? Like that's yeah. big. That's big. That is big, Tashi." you need to find a way to autograph like two or three pages of your new book, A Show for Two, and send it to his agent or manager or somebody. I know. Tom Holland, where are you? Like, don't you understand? Don't you see the vision? <laughs> well, okay. We know that the whole, the whole incident of him going Tom being doing research for Spider-Man, uh, we know that actually happened. But as far as your character uh, in, in your story, did any any other details from your book did that actually happen? Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, oh. that crazy, but no. no. Um, Tom was like in in real life he was only there for like a week oh, and then he was like okay i'm good but in my book he's there for like two months oh. so quite a bit of a time difference but it also makes sense that tom holland doesn't have two months to just mess around oh no no they'll have the whole movie probably was completed in two months i'm sure right exactly you know for him time is money and i guess probably for the character as well but it's fiction so it's fine Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well now, okay, when Spider-Man Homecoming, the movie was released, I know you were probably the first one in line to go see it, so what was going through your head when you were watching the movie? Oh my God, I was just thinking about how much of a flex it is that I have pictures with this man. Oh, you have pictures? I'm like, wow, look at me. Oh, Tasha, you have pictures, what? That's pretty. Oh my god, yeah! It's crazy. It's so funny. It's like me and him, and then like in the background, you can see like a huge banner of like my high school, and I'm like, this just really ties it all together. <laughs> well, uh, I've got to start following you. Do you have any of those pictures on any of your social media pages? 
Oh my god, yes, on my TikTok, which oh, is TikTok. just like my my username is just my name. Okay. But it is all over my TikTok. There are videos and everything. Oh, you've got the full everything. Yeah, I gotta go start following you. Okay, so how can people follow you and check this out? Yeah, so my username on my platforms, which is like TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, it's all just Tashi Bleon, which is just my name, and that's okay. it. And you should be able to find me pretty easily because there's as far as I know, only one talk you play on. So. Yeah, that's a very pretty, unique name. So you don't have to worry about putting a, a number behind your name and all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, my God. I feel so bad when people have to do that. I'm like, wow. Maybe, maybe I have rights to this. I think you do. I think you do. Well, before they shut me down here, well, I saw in your bio that you insist that the year 2010 is the best year in movie history. Why is that to you? Oh my God, because of Tangled, Disney's Tangled, and because of Inception. Those are two of my favorite movies. So I feel like we should all just take a moment and appreciate them, you know? So I was like, what better way to make people sit and think about how great they are than literally putting it <laughs> in my author bio? You did that, and it caught my attention. Yes, it did. Okay, so the next time I go to I a feel, show... I feel good. I'm sure it, it, it should, because you acknowledged that was your year. That was your year, for movies at least. Exactly. So, exactly. So if, in, if I'm ever in the, the New York area, your area, your zip code, if I'm at a Chipotle, I can maybe expect to find you. I understand that's one of your favorite hangout spots. Yes, if I am either always in a Chipotle or a bookstore, sometimes I'm having Chipotle in the bookstore, like, this is just who I am. <laughs> oh, you never know, you might get inspired to do a book based around Chipotle and a book, you know, bookstore or something, you never know. Do not tempt me, <laughs> do not tempt me. Imagine me having to pitch that to my agent, so what if I wrote a Chipotle romance? And have Chipotle sponsor it, your tour, yes. Well, if you, if you think about it, that means I could just write out Chipotle on my taxes. Absolutely. Absolutely. But in the meantime, so a show for two, I think this would be a pretty cool, you know, maybe like a, a series or, uh, you know, maybe something for MTV or something like that. Any, any early talk for that type of a deal or what? Not yet, but if anybody wants to hit me up... <laughs> Meet you at the Chipotle. <laughs> you can do, you know, but, exactly. Okay. You know where to find me. Know where to find you. But in all seriousness, I think it's a very sweet and fun novel, romance novel. And uh, I love the, the backdrop, the backstoryline, I should say, of how it all began. And I wanna, I'm going to be looking on page six or wherever to see Tom Holland hold up your book and say, I help inspire a show for two with this beautiful, talented young writer. I'm looking for that, Tashi. I, I think that's what we all deserve. I think we just all have to like light a candle and like manifest. <laughs> yes. So, so you got to send it to his agent, though. You got to do it. Do it for us. Honestly, I'm going to have to look into it now. <laughs> you really should. I would never let this opportunity like this pass up. Come on. No. You're so right. You're so right. Like, you're, you're making so many points today. Yeah. And then tell the agent, look, I'm not some stalker chick. I got video. I got receipts. I got pictures. I, hey. Right. <laughs> like, we have met each other. Yes, we have. And I got a book now to prove it with a major publishing house. Die. So there, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> it's kind of a flat. It really is. It is. It really is. Well, anyway, Miss Tashi, thank you so much for the chat and the fun and the book, most of all. So make sure you tell your agents, not agents, I should say your publicist, next project you have, please invite me to be a part of your media tour. I just love talking to oh you. Oh, my God. I would love to talk to you again as well. I will make it happen. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, especially if you got a Tom Holland update with this book. You know you got to call him girl here. Come on. Oh, my God. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yes. Well, anyway, you have a really cool rest of the day, and I'll look to see you on page six or TMZ or somewhere like that with the success of this book and Tom Holland. Yeah. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Okay. Take care then. Bye-bye.
Yeah, still love Will Smith. I do. I know he's done, he's kind of done a bad thing, but we'll just let that slide for now. I still love his music and love seeing him dance. He's a hellified dancer, of course. But anyway, um, before we get to our first guest, let me tell you about our two guests that will be joining us. They are a part of the cast of VH1's new show, VH1 Couples Retreat is the name of it. And it just premiered this past Monday, May 16th. And what it is, is uh, if you saw, how many saw it? You already saw it. I saw it, of course. I saw it ahead of time, but it's a fun show. It's about celebrity cast members and they take a week long vacation away from being themselves as celebrities and with money and famous and all that kind of great stuff. And so during this retreat, they are having uncensored conversations about the challenges and the ups and downs and the highs, the lows, the good, the bad, the stinky of relationships and the complexities of love and heartache and loss and cheating and mental health, just everything that we all as regular people go through. Well, they're famous, but they still have regular people problems. It's cool. They do. They're just like us. It's, you know, except they just have more money. But that's another story. So among the celebrity couples, uh, I can tell you real fast, uh, some of them, Ronnie DeVoe from New Edition, um, Claudia Jordan, TV talk show uh, personality, uh, who else? Nick Young, who was uh, former from formerly of the NBA, and um, who? Well, oh, okay, yes, AJ Johnson. Let's bring, make sure we mention that uh, life coach AJ Johnson is on board to, with this show to kind of help the celebrities, you know, iron out their problems, along with NBA champion John Sally. John is having a hellified television career here, more so than he did in the NBA. But anyway, that's another story too. So two of the celebrity uh, couples that will be on the show, VH1 Couples Retreat, are our guests. And we're talking about Styles P and his lovely, beautiful wife, Ajua Styles. And they were here in Vegas this past weekend. Yeah, they were in town. And um, well, we'll talk about that with them later. But we had to, uh, We this is an interview that we pre-recorded uh, this past Monday morning, right after their uh, visit to Vegas. They were at one of the uh, festivals. So we'll talk more about that during the interview. But these two have been married for 25 years. Uh, they have faced all kinds of hardships, ranging from infidelity, the loss of their daughter to suicide, um, just a lot of really unfortunate um, situations that, that happen in life. And um, of course, I will tell you that Styles P, he is a member of the legendary hip hop group, The Locks. Um, he, they got their start in the 90s when Mary J. Blige kind of sort of handed their demo to P. Diddy. Is he calling himself P. Diddy? Is there something else this week? It's P. Diddy. He's still P. Diddy. Okay, thank you for that. And of course, the rest is history. They have gone on. They are still touring and performing the locks uh, all over the world. And his beautiful wife, Ajawa, is an entrepreneur, successful author, a wife, a mom. Uh, she's been featured on Oprah's Black Love documentary series. Uh, she and her husband, have a very successful uh, business, a juice bar business, among the many other things that they do. So we had the opportunity to talk with both of them, Styles P and his lovely wife, Ajua Styles. And it was just a few hours uh, after, well, they were still in town. I should take that back when we talked, they were still in town. So let's bring them on board and let's hear more from them about being a part of the cast of VH1's new show, VH1 Couples Retreat. So let's roll it right now. I'm on. Well, hello, Styles and Ajua. 
Good morning. Oh, I'm doing very good here. It's, it's a little early for me, but I know it's just in time for you guys there in the East Coast. So we're, we're in your city. It's not, not quite. We're right here with you. Oh, you're we're here in Vegas. Right. Right. <laughs> you're kidding. You're here in Vegas. Oh. Oh my God, we, that's right. Lovers and Friends Festival last night. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. And so much goes on here. I just can't keep up uh, with it all. But anyway, in, in addition to the all of the other activities you have, you got a big television premiere coming up tonight at 9 p.m. VH1 Couples Retreat premiere. So, okay, where will you couples, where, where did you shoot this uh, this edition? Uh, we shot in San Diego, California. Um, one of my favorite cities. Beautiful. Yeah, it was absolutely beautiful over there. Okay, so along with uh, you two, who, what other celebrity couples will we find on this uh, new edition? Ronnie Bow and his wife. Raggy. Michael Black. Claudia Jordan. And, uh, just hilarious. Just hilarious. Just hilarious. Okay. Pretty cool cast. And of course, we have our amazing hosts, AJ Johnson and John Sally. Oh, those two. Oh, my goodness. Separately, they're enough, but those two together is more than right. enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than enough. Well, okay. Uh, I know we have limited time here. I could be talking all day to you two, but okay, so. What what are you you cast members? Um, what are you guys going to be? Are there some topics that you're going to be tackling, or about couples or what? Well, it's going to be, so we all have our own little, I guess, uh, issues, so to speak, that we're focusing on or that you know that come to surface. But for us, it, it, it's more carving out the intimate time um, outside of work. You know, because we work together and we are, we just have a lot of businesses and we're just constantly working. And again, we just have to prioritize some more uh, shut off time. Mm -hmm. So that's that's what we were there for. Uh, everyone else, not so much. But um, <laughs> yeah. ours is pretty low on a totem pole compared to everyone else. But you know, it it, it gets interesting for sure. Well. You two have been married longer than most. Some of those cast members have been on the earth here. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, your 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 marriage, your relationship as a couple, has faced so many hardships, and, and fortunately, including the loss of a child, infidelity, just so much. Twenty six years together is is you know a married couple, and working together. Is there a secret? Is there a tip for how you how you're still together without killing each other? Yeah, right. I, I don't know. I'm, at this point, I think it's a bit of organized confusion. That's what I'm starting to think now. It's it's so all over the place, and it, things have just been coming left and right, and we just navigate, you know, and keep keep flowing. But you know, um, I, I I think it's more of understanding of an eventual goal I would say or what the end game is is what is what keeps the day-to-day -day going okay very much and, I, and I, I believe all I mean just in life as you said when you go through a lot and you've been through a lot with a person and you go through the ups and downs and trials and tribulations and you you're still bad for each other. I think that's a, a different sort of bond. I think we just have a organic bond. We've been through a lot of a lot, like you say, but we always manage to push. And I think also what we stand for outside of our marriage is is what pretty much keeps us going. We we definitely stand for the black family. We definitely stand for community and health and incorporating all of those things on a day to day basis. I believe is part of what keeps everything going. Out of these 26 years you've been together, has there ever been anything that just got you right there, right there on the edge of, I'm out, this is it, but you decided to stay on? Was anything? I, I, 
Uh, are you kidding me? That, that happened last week. Oh no. <laughs> this is this this is real. Like yeah. it isn't um it may look a certain way, like I mean and, and I've heard this before because actually this happened on the show. Like people think we, we we're we're giving off a perfected persona, like that we we strive to give off perfection. Where that's nice if that's the way it looks and that's really sweet I would say but that there you know perfection is attainable that's not doesn't even exist so for us it's just what you see is who we are you know but there there's a lot of stuff that happens behind closed doors and you know we're human you know so everything isn't always what you see it's just how we represent ourselves and and you know how much respect and love we have for ourselves on you know when we're you know and I think a lot of I think people don't understand when you're you know you it's, you have a lot of ups and downs, but when you're friends with someone, there's a lot of I think I guess we're old fashioned in that 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 face. I don't think you should be outside embarrassing your significant other or your friends or just acting buffoonery, especially behind you know if you're on camera. I think you definitely should represent who you are and how you are and what you're doing. But we live a pretty much real life, and I think people know that about us. They see us when we're at our, our, our bars. They see us when we promote Pharmacy for Life. I think we're just really, people get who we are and what we're about, and we just try to keep it keep it like that and make things simple. But just really quickly, going back to what I said and, and the question you asked, those sentiments, and again, we're human, you know, um, but I also know that having a therapist, you know, as as a tool is very significant because feelings do happen and, you know, feelings do arise and, and a lot of shit happens, you know, and you just need someone there sometimes. Excuse my language. A lot, of, a lot of stuff happens and you need someone there sometimes to let you make sense of the emotions inside of, you know, the, the, the marriage and the relationship so that they're not always... Um, seeming as if they're actual, actual emotions, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. And I'm so happy to hear uh, you guys acknowledge the fact that you have a professional relationship therapist, uh, because I'm glad to see the African-American community more and more seemingly see and knowing the importance and the value of having therapists for relationships or individually or, or for whatever. And, and you being a celebrity couple, I'm so happy to hear you say that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's, listen, go to the doctor, right? You have mm-hmm. a doctor mm-hmm. for your physical body. You you need a doctor for your relationship. Like, you, there's things that you, you could learn differently. There's experts. Uh, there's different perspectives. You know, there's healing. There's a lot of levels to a lot of things that, to make things work and not work. So those people in place really can help you. You know, the counselor, the therapist, the right one. Well, I have two minutes left, I've been told. Um, really fast here, again, Couples Retreat premieres tonight, 9 p.m. on VH1. Did you guys have any of the other celebrities come to you for advice on relationships and marriages and such? Uh, every last one of them. Oh, <laughs> good to know. Yeah, we, I think it was a really cool cast and um. Yeah, we definitely bounced in ping pong energy off of each other a lot, so that was really cool. Respect, respect, respect. You guys have it. And I'm just so ha- happy that I had the opportunity to chat with both of you. I've been a fan of yours individually and together forever. So thank you so much for coming to our city. Did you have time to win any money? No? Yes? I- I lost. I lost at the roulette blackjack table, but it's all good. Oh, well, that means you need to come back and do it all over again next time. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for chatting with me, and thank you for coming to our city. And again, VH1 Couples Retreat premieres tonight on VH1, again, 9 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. Thank you, guys. Have a safe trip back home. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.
Okay, we are back here and uh, want to remind you that you're listening to Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone. And before we bring on our next guest, uh, we're going to have a, a giveaway uh, probably the week before June 28th. There's this new movie coming out. It's called Hashtag unknown. And it will be available on streaming platforms and in movie theaters and such. So we're going to have some giveaway items. You can go look it up. I think it's under hashtag, the actual hashtag symbol, hashtag unknown the movie. I think that's how it is. But anyway, we're going to have the director on the show and we're going to partner with them to uh, give you guys some really fun giveaway items there. Got it? Anyway, it opens up June 28th. So let's get to our next guest here. Our featured guest is the one and only uh, Dr. Ben Carson. Of course, uh, the world knows Dr. Carson is a top-selling author. Uh, He was the former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under the Trump administration. He himself was a 2016 Republican presidential candidate, and he's the former director of pediatric neurosurgery at John Hopkins. And I just can't even give the number of awards that he's won as a top neurosurgeon throughout the world. He's also the recipient of the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which is the highest civilian honor in this country. And he holds more than 70 honorary doctorate degrees. Well, he's going to be joining us here in about 60 seconds. He has a brand new book, and the title of the book is Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Present, and the Hopeful Future of Race in America. Now, in this new book, Dr. Carson uh, really lays out a, a hopeful and inspiring roadmap for how America can possibly come together racially. And he uses his own personal experiences as an African as an African American, along with the the writings and experiences of others uh, from multiple backgrounds, uh, other races, uh, multiple demographics of people, and all of this added together, it just uh, gives the book. It, it analyzes the current state of race relations in America that is unfortunately shaky, flaky, and just not good. So one of the ways that Dr. Carson in the book suggests that we examine and maybe find an answer to this racial equality is to perhaps focus on the great successes that America has had as a nation and as far as multi-ethnic societies and just kind of, you know, hone in on the strengths, the big successful strengths uh, that America has, instead of the historical weaknesses and prejudices that the country has had. So that's one suggestion. But again, the book is uh, called Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America. And you can get more information about the book. It's available everywhere, Amazon, all of the Barnes & Noble, all of you know, the usual places. Uh, But his website is bencarson.com. I had the opportunity to talk to him just yesterday. We pre-recorded this interview. Very insightful, asked him lots of questions, of course. And so we're going to bring and roll that um, interview starting right now. My conversation with Dr. Ben Carson. Let's roll it. Well, good evening, Dr. Carson. Carson, uh, of course, the purpose of our chat is that you have a brand new book titled Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America. And yes, do we ever need a book on this topic? Um, You lay out a, a hopeful and inspiring roadmap for how America can possibly come together uh, as we know, of course, slavery's over. We've gone through the civil rights movement. We've had EEOC and all of that, all of that in between. But yet there are some people, including African-Americans, who are saying that racism is over and that it no longer exists. Most recently, NFL player Antonio Brown made a very similar statement saying that racism doesn't exist. What are your thoughts on people who say that racism no longer is an issue in this country? Well, I guess maybe they have a different definition of racism. 
uh, racism definitely exists, and uh, maybe not always in the places where you expect it. Uh, for instance, uh, people who look at the color of someone's skin and determine how they're supposed to think. I think that's racism, very much so. Uh, when our current president said, if you have trouble deciding between me and Donald Trump, you ain't black. That's a very racist statement. <laughs> Why do you get to decide who's black and who's not? Um, so it, it exists, and it exists in, in all forms, wherever there are people, because people are not perfect. And in the book, you know, I go through reasons that people become racist. It's generally an environmental uh, factor, and it's because people are afraid. They're not confident about themselves and their environment. People who are completely self-confident are almost never racist. That's very true. I, as you said that, I, my mind was just kind of flick, flickering there of different people that I know who are very confident and they don't seem to be racist as all, at all that I can tell at least. Um, yeah, it, tends, it tends to be, who are you worried about? Because, you know, I lived in Australia for a year and, you know, they used to have a rights-only policy. A lot of my friends were concerned, you go out to Australia but they don't have any concerns with black people. They have concerns with uh, Asians, because in that part of the world, <laughs> that's who's there. Mm -hmm. And so the prejudice was really more directed against Asians. They, they could care less about what's going on with black persons because there's so few of them. You might see one every few weeks. Yeah, I visited Melbourne before, and yes, you are totally correct on that. And I feel so comfortable there. Um, <laughs> Well, Dr. Carson, you also write in your book, uh, again, Created Equal is the short title, that perhaps one of the ways to hopefully bring racial equality success in this country is to focus on the country's strengths instead of its historical weaknesses. Uh, if that is done, who should initiate this, Min minorities or people of non-color? Who should be go first? Well, we, we all have a sphere of influence. And, you know, we all should take it upon ourselves individually uh, to be a positive force for the people who are around us. Um, you know, our, and we need to understand that we, the American people, are not each other's enemies. Even if we disagree with each other, it's okay to disagree. Uh, you don't have to fight each other. And we should allow some of the Judeo-Christian values that were essential to the building of our country to become prevalent again. For instance, love your neighbor. That is such an important concept. And as we get rid of it, it gets replaced with something that is pure evil. And that is hate your neighbor and cancel your neighbor if you don't agree with them. Uh, how can that ever lead to a peaceful society? It won't because you have people with diverse ideals, diverse thoughts. That's actually uh, something that has benefited us greatly as a nation because we have people who look at things in different ways. And uh, that's why America has been at the very forefront of life-changing inventions for the world. What are your thoughts about critical race theory being taught in schools, public schools? Well, I'm sad to see it. Of course, now they will deny that it's happening, uh, or they keep changing the name of it. And they say, well, no, we're not teaching that. But, you know, I have a good friend. His, his eight-year-old granddaughter came home crying, saying, Grandpa, am I evil because I'm white? Now, where did she get it if she didn't get that in school? And, uh, you know, teaching, you know, little white kids, you know, that they're evil, that they're oppressors, that their families are oppressors, um, yeah, that is really very cruel, almost as cruel as teaching old black kids that they're victims. Because if, if you think you're a victim, you are a victim. And you begin to act like a victim. And you begin to interpret everything like a victim. And it's exactly the wrong thing, but it's consistent, quite frankly, with what Nikita Khrushchev said 60 years ago. He told Eisenhower, your grandchildren's children will live under communism and we won't have to fire a shot. 
And what did he know? He knew that if they gained control of our educational system so they could indoctrinate our kids, gain control of our media so they could spoon feed the people only what they wanted them to know, remove faith in God and replace it with faith in government, and raise the national debt to astronomical levels so we could justify massive taxation, redistribution of wealth, and complete control, they would have exactly what they wanted. And all of that, I'm sure, sounds very familiar to you, because that's exactly what's going on. And one of the purposes of this book is to expose all those things that are happening and how race is one of the key factors that they're using to divide our population. Now, this is a two-part question. Um, when it comes to racial equality, what are some of the things that America is doing right? And what are some of the things that the country is totally missing and just getting all wrong as we stand today? Well, one of the things that we're doing right is recognizing the innate talent that all of our citizens have. And we've done a very good job of that because when I was a kid, and a black person came on television in a non-servile role, it was a big deal. Everybody came running into the living room to see it. And now, within that same lifetime, you have black admirals and generals and CEOs of Fortune 500 companies and presidents of universities, including Ivy Leagues and heads of foundations. We've elected a black president twice with a black vice president. And to see that we have not altered the, our society significantly in the right direction. You'd have to be virtually blind not to see that and to understand it. And that's a good thing. And those are the kinds of things that we need to be building our future on, not going back and dredging up uh, the worst parts of our past. And you know, not falling for the lie that we are more evil than any other country because we had slavery. Uh, virtually all societies have had to deal with slavery. And we're still dealing with it today. There are more slaves in the world today than there have ever been in history, uh, particularly with uh, human trafficking. And the greatest consumer of that is the United States of America. So we've got some real problems going on right now affecting negatively hundreds of thousands of people's lives. We don't have to go back 200 years and find something awful. There's something awful going on right now that we can do something about. So very true. And, and Are you surprised that we are still dealing with some of these issues as far as race, even if it, though it's 2022? I know that I am. Well, I'm, I'm not surprised because I know that those who want to fundamentally change their society will use anything as a cudgel to, to beat people with. And, uh, you know, they need to, to create the sense of dissatisfaction with the way that our society is now if they're going to get people to want to change it. So, you know, the, the race issue is creating dissatisfaction. Uh, defend the police is the, doing the same thing letting violent criminals out so they can wreak havoc in our society, uh, not guarding our southern borders, just allowing general chaos, uh, doing everything you can to destroy our economy. You know, these are all the kinds of things that you can then point to and say, see, I told you. A lot of people like to point fingers at your, your party, the Republican Party, when it comes to racial matters and speak, constantly fuming the flames towards uh, racism. They always point to the Republican Party, and you were answering right. that. Right, and I, I, don't, I don't know how much of that you got, but, you know, what I consider to be racism is looking at someone and looking at the color of their skin and determining how you think they're supposed to act and what they're supposed to believe. And if they don't believe that, you start calling them names. Uh, that to me is the epitome of, of racism. And, uh, you know, we need to just, uh, you know, put away all the, the heavy partisanship and start thinking about what is good for our nation? What is good for our people? As we have become more partisan, we've become more hateful and more d disrespectful. And uh, that ultimately is the greatest threat to the future of our country.
Well, I have two more questions here, two last questions here. Um, if Roe versus Wade is totally overturned, how do you think this will affect the gains as a country that we have made towards race relations and equality, especially for women? Well, it's, it's interesting that you would ask that question because uh, when you look at some uh, individuals, they try to equate women's rights and the advancement that women have made with abortion. And the way I see it, it's, it's almost the opposite. You know, almost the most sacred relationship is between that baby and that mother. And the reason that baby is in that mother's womb is because it's the safest place in the universe that it could be. But uh, we have people who are trying to say that that baby is the enemy and you have the right to destroy that baby. And I don't, I don't think that's the way most mothers feel, quite frankly. I don't think it, they think that that's infringing upon their rights. Uh, and most people don't really stop to think about how a baby is formed. You have a male gamete and a female gamete, both with 23 chromosomes, and they meet together, and now you have a complete human being with 46 chromosomes. It's not the mother, it's not the father, it's an individual. It rapidly, very rapidly develops. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of alternative things that people who get pregnant inadvertently can do that don't include killing the baby. So, I, I, and I think we're making progress on this issue. A lot more young people are turning away from the savagery of, of just killing babies and looking for alternatives. And I think that's healthy for our society. Well, Dr. Carson, uh, as we all know, in addition to being a world-renowned doctor, best-selling author, uh, you were the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under President Trump's administration. And, oh my God, today, housing and rental prices are just outrageous. Where do you think this is all going? Are we going to get any relief? I mean, what, what do you say to people such as myself and others? What should we be doing or expecting? Well, we, we have to look at the things that, that have worked. We've, we've made some tremendous technological advancements in housing uh, that have reduced the prices dramatically. But the problem is the regulations. When you add all the various regulations, the cost triples and quadruples sometimes. And that's where the attention needs to be at the federal, state, and local level. How do we do logical things that keep people safe, that keep the environment safe, but that also keep the prices down? And there has to be concerted effort toward doing that. Or we get into things like we have in Los Angeles, where, yes, uh, you provide public housing uh, for people, that cost four hundred thousand dollars. You know that 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 doesn't uh, really make a whole lot of sense. Do you see any relief for everybody in the immediate future, or what? Well, it can happen if people are willing to work together. You know, mm. uh, before COVID hit, uh, I had a close working relationship with uh, Mayor Garcetti, uh, with the governor there, with the uh, city council people. We had actually come up with a, a, a very, I think, excellent plan for dealing with the homelessness situation on Skid Row and in Los Angeles. And uh, hopefully at some point uh, we can get back to those kinds of, of things where we work together, but it has to be federal, state, local, along with nonprofits and faith-based organizations working together that creates the kind of synergy that's necessary to solve these problems. And finally, I know there were obviously many achievements, but personally, what do you think was your your best or greatest achievement when you were serving as secretary uh, under the Trump administration, secretary of housing, I should say, in urban development? Well, it might surprise you, but I, I think that the biggest thing was being able to get the financial house in order. 
you probably remember hearing all the horror stories about all the money at HUD that was misappropriated and all the scandals that were going on. And it was the Wild West when I got there. There hadn't been an audit in eight years. And every federal agency is required by law to have an audit every year. But the books were so bad. There were so many uh, material defects, you couldn't do an audit. So uh, you know, getting that straightened out made a huge difference because then we were able to do all those programs like foster youth to independence and envision centers and opportunity zones and all of these fabulous things, but we would have never been able to do them had we not fixed the financial structure. Well, as we all know, uh, you were a 2016 Republican presidential candidate. Any plans to run for political office again in the future? Well, I would, uh, I would hope not. I, oh no! I'll always, I'll always do what the Lord wants me to do, but I hope that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if it's not, Dr. Carson, you have served the, our country and our political systems and our medical uh, world so well. And uh, we just really appreciate the work that you have done, no matter, it should be at least, no matter what political party one belongs to. Uh, your work uh, has just been outstanding. And the, again, the book is Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America. And Dr. Carson, I just thank you so much for chatting with me. It's been wonderful being with you. Thank you. Take care now. Okay, thank you. You too then. Bye-bye. Okay, thank you so much, Dr. Ben Carson. What a just what an honor it was to uh, speak to him. Uh, his book, again, is called Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America. And again, it's available at all places where fine books are sold from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, just wherever you get your books. And of course, you are Welcome to do the audio version if you'd like to do that as well. So that's going to do it for this edition of Film Festival Radio Show. I want to thank all of my guests for joining us as always. Thank you guys as always for sharing your time with us each Saturday. And thank you for all the email that we received from you guys. The uh, email address again is info at filmfestivalradio.com. So what am I going to do for the rest of the day? I think I'm going to go to the car wash. I really need to go to the car wash. So let's just do that. So we will see you guys next Saturday at the same time. So have a wonderful rest of the week. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio with your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com. Mm-hmm.